Hello, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of the Gems of History podcast. I am your host, Jacob Shop, and joining me, as always, I have Mark Steinbrenner. Oh, it's so ready for you to go to Everett away. <laughs> I, I'm, we I'm have glad. a system here. I'm glad he didn't, because I was not ready for him to go to Everett away. <laughs> you should have seen Ev. He did like that, uh, what is that from, like SpongeBob? The loosey-goosey. The loosey-goosey, yeah. arm-to-arm, yeah. Well, gotta get loose. He's, I mean, he's warmed up. Day. But uh, I'm here, and I'm ready to go. Good, good, good. And, of course, we have Evan Roosh, as you heard. Yep, I'm also... I'm also here. <laughs> I'm like, I hope so because you're like, the topic master yeah, for the day. I was looking at my notes. I'm like, oh, I can't do two things at once. <laughs> what did Mark say? What did Mark say? Yeah. Uh, hope you guys are all doing well out there. Mark, Ev, how are you guys doing today? We're talking three episodes in a row with that elite level of happiness, and we'll I'll tell you guys uh, why in a little bit. Ooh, oh, that's a tease, but. Mm. Uh, some would say a sprinkle. It's not the new computer you got. That's not why you're happy. Right. You're right. So for the listeners, for the past how many episodes, how many months we've been doing this? 15 episodes. We have a picture of the old one. As it was. We do. I mean, I still have it. It's right oh, Yeah, there you go. But um, essentially my laptop had it since like junior year of high school. It's It was on its last legs. Like it, what, it couldn't support itself. Like it always, <laughs> if I didn't have a box behind the actual computer screen. It would fall off. Yeah, and, like, like literally physically couldn't support itself and like technologically was getting to the end of its life. So <laughs> too bad. Right. Like all the audio issues like that we've had pretty much just been because of that thing. <laughs> really demonizing that thing. But yeah, new it did good work. Yeah. Yep. And just charging it to the business account, right? Oh, yeah. All that business money that we have. From <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, yeah, go support our Patreon so we can get out of this debt hole that we're in now. <laughs> Patreon? Just give them my Venmo. I'm the one that bought the new computer. <laughs> no, we're going to split it three ways. Fair, I guess. Do we have to? <laughs> it is in the rule book. Mark, how are you? Good. <laughs> you sound pretty hesitant. No, I'm good. I'm good. Ah, okay, good, good, good. All right, well. Everyone out there listening, we hope you guys are doing well and having a good week or a good, had a good weekend and are rearing up for a good week this week. So we're going to hit you with some questions to uh, get your brain thinking on this, if you're listening on Monday, on this Monday, get your week started on a good note. Mark, you want to start us off? Why not? All right. So I don't know. I've been on a president kick. A lot of presidential kicking presidents. Uh, no. <laughs> but just going up to George W. and like nailing a shit. <laughs> I just imagined you like throwing baseballs at a dunk tank and just dunking like Barack Obama in the water. Yeah. <laughs> so my, I wonder if my question is really obvious and I'm just not that smart. I thought it was interesting, but anyway, what U.S. president gave the White House its current name? Was it Abraham Lincoln, Theodore Roosevelt, George Washington, or Thomas Jefferson? It's not obvious because I don't know. Yeah, I okay. have no idea. That's what I thought. I was like, wow. What I feel like question? I should know, but. Yeah. I mean, hmm. it's the White House. When hasn't it been that? I don't know. That's kind of why I want to lean towards Washington. Like, I know, me too. Washington. That just makes the most sense to me. But I, oh, for some reason, Roosevelt sounds really good, too. I don't know why. 
Yeah, Wait, I don't who, know why who, either. Wait, who did Evan add, let, let me add another name? If you oh, yeah, just add another name. <laughs> I'm going to go off script here. Yeah. I'll wager Texas for the dollar sign. <laughs> I'm going to go with George Washington. Um, I'm going to go with... Uh, what was the last one you said? I can't think. I said Jefferson last. Okay, Jefferson's. I'm going to go with him. Although construction began in 1792... It was not until 1901 when President Theodore Roosevelt officially wow. gave the White House its current name. It had previously been known as the President's House, then the President's Palace, and then the Executive Mansion, but it's now the White House. So where did they live before the White House? Well, uh, I, the, the same the, building. The thing was, it just wasn't called the White House. Oh, I'm the dumbest boy in school. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I should have just stuck with my gut because that's what I thought. Like after you asked it, I was like, "It seems like the outlier." I don't know. Yeah, just have to listen to your heart. That's what I, I guess always so. do. <laughs> okay, Pedro. <laughs> Ev. All right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. This world leader was killed when an enemy soldier climbed through a toilet system in a castle and stabbed him whilst defecating. You just wanted to say that word, whilst. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say defecate. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> well, that's it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so was it A, King Edmund II of England? Edmund! B. I'm just, just thinking of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. <laughs> yep. Man, he is such a punk in that movie. Uh, B, Prince Octavius of Persia. C, King Robert the Bruce of Scotland. Or D, Pope Eighth, the Valorant. Or E, High King Peter. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I really don't know. I'm going with the Scottish dude. All right, Jacob's going with King Robert the Bruce of yeah. Scotland. Could not be bothered to remember those names. <laughs> that, that sounds like a good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer, good answer. Um, I'm going with the Octavian guy. All right, going with Prince Octavius of Persia. So the correct answer. Was King Edmund the Second of England? Oh, get out of here! Lame. Not even kind of true. And also, <laughs> also fun facts: uh, Prince Octavius of Persia is not a real person. And uh, why for, I sounded right for D, I literally put in my notes Pope Eighth the sec the Valorant. So it was like literally Pope Number Eight the Valorant. And you guys are they gonna be? Why do they gotta be called some sort of like adjective after? Why can't they just be who they are? You know, right? just call me Mark, not like. I got nothing. <laughs> well, I was go. waiting. Yeah. I was going to try and yes and you on that. Yeah. But. but fun facts, actually several world leaders have actually been killed uh, in this way. Like some brave soldier climbing through a tower's toiletry system, let's call it. And interesting. give him the, give him the spear. Wouldn't like it. <laughs> it's a, it sounds terrible. I know. That's a safe place. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, have you ever heard the stories of people, like, sitting down or, like, opening the lid to their toilet and seeing, like, a snake in there mm -hmm. or something like that? I've always been scared that that's going to happen to me. Can you imagine opening the toilet? It's just, like, a random guy with <laughs> You see, like, his eye be poking through. Yeah. That's how I think of Australia. I feel like they have to check their toilet every time yeah. they sit down. Yep. It's going to be, like, a six-foot spider in there or something. That's so terrifying. I hate I... it. I hate it a lot. Yeah, that came up actually recently. You know, when you're just kind of like browsing YouTube or, I don't know, Facebook or something. Someone posted 
on Facebook or was one of my things to watch on YouTube, the most creepiest crawlers in Australia. Wow, was I scared? I would. I. It's like you'd see it and you're like, I could never go there. I feel like everything there just wants to kill you. Yeah. Yeah, I have no interest in going to Australia just I, for that. I fact. really want to go to Australia, but I just know that everything there is just like life threatening. <laughs> crazy. All right. The Kardashev scale is a scientific system used to calculate what? A. A society's technological advancement based on quantum breakdown. B. A society's technological advancement based on energy use. Or C. A society's biological advancement based on physiological manipulation. I will be going A as an alpha. So Mark is going technological advancement based on quantum breakdown. I'm going to go B. Okay, so Evan's going technological advancement based on energy use. The Kardashev scale is a scientific system used to calculate a, a society's technological advancement based on energy use. Wow, Let's Evan go. is correct. Good job, Ev. I think I broke a streak of seven in a row. <laughs> wrong, so we're back. One of the listeners should just tally up all the uh, our like actual records for trivia because I'm sure I'm way way low. Whoever is in last has to take like ten shots during the episode. Oh, that's that's, oh, wow. that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> so we already know what happens to our episodes when that happens. <laughs> so I watched a video on YouTube by a channel called The Y Files, not like the letter Y, like the word. W H Y, and it's a great channel. It's like a pretty small channel. They only have like three thousand subscribers, but the videos that the guy makes are really good. And he did a a whole video on like alien technology versus human technology, and like he talked about this Kardashev scale. And basically, like there's tiers up to five, I think, and there's level zero, which is what we're technically at right now because what a diss yeah yeah so basically basically like we don't have total control over like everything that we can use to harness energy from and so like once we get to that point and we can like harness every source of energy that we have available to us then we'll be a level one and then it goes up from there basically saying like you can harness energy from the entire universe that you live in and, like, you can pretty much manipulate the energy that is attained from your star that you have at the center of your universe. And it goes all the way up to five now because people added after Kardashev made it originally hmm. and said, like, the last one is basically you can live inside black holes and harness the energy and use that to, like, create wormholes and time travel and all that oh stuff. My. Looking at you, Elon. Yeah. <laughs> But, I guess I'm starting to think level zero is appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, wow. he also talked about how a bunch of like theoretical physicists and stuff say that the reason we haven't contacted anyone outside of our solar system is because once they get to a certain technological point that they always self-destruct and like destroy their own civilization. And that's why we haven't contacted anyone because they're already dead, basically. And they... Huh. they now they think that anytime like we would actually make contact with someone, it'd probably be because they need to like go outside of their solar system to get material for harvesting, and they would just harvest our planet basically. So ah. now I'm on the fence about whether I actually want to see if aliens come to visit. Yeah, if that's their reasoning for coming to say hey, they can uh, turn right around. Yeah, 
I will say there really is no reason to come visit for any non-malicious reason. Yeah, right. Like, exactly. what do we got going on here? Yeah. Like, even in our like, own history, how often did a foreign nation come in and say hello turn out to be a good exactly right. neil degrasse tyson like he put a clip in a video from him saying basically think about it when the europeans colonized america or somewhere else basically the people that already live there don't have a very good time once we come so mm-hmm. that it would basically be the same thing if we got visited by someone outside of our solar system that sounds right that's very interesting that's kind of just assuming that aliens would be like us then basically yeah mm-hmm. so i thought that was haven't interesting. evolved out of being violent towards everything <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah but they say like in the next 100 to 200 years is going to determine whether we like get past level one or maybe even further to like level two where we can pretty much harness the power of the sun more efficiently and pretty much transfer that energy through space from the sun like directly hmm. so so we'll be long gone. Yeah. So maybe our grandkids will ha- see some of that start happening. Maybe. Can you imagine our grandkids are the ones that can actually pull that off? It's like we are very inspired by our <laughs> great, great, great grandfather's uh, history podcast. podcast yeah. Pretty sure my great uh, grandkids will be too busy trying to go undefeated in conference for David Starr. So that's yeah. <laughs> fact. For the 100th year straight. Wow. <laughs> All right, Evan, what do you got for us today? So, like I mentioned uh, before, with that elite level of happiness, uh, as you two know, I'm currently in the process of adopting a little puppy. Yes. yes. So Very cute. Yeah. I Hopefully, fingers crossed, don't want to jinx it, but she'll be a Labrador retriever. And looking, the actual interview for the application is tonight, so we're recording this a little bit earlier than we usually do. But in the spirit of that... Today, we are going to talk about the history of dogs. Oh, oh boy. my. And you thought, we thought you were joking about the history of four-legged animals. I know. Last week, <laughs> I listened to it. Like, obviously, we listened to it back just to make sure it sounds all right. And after I heard that, I'm like, wow. I kind of called my shot there because <laughs> yeah. I did all the notes before listening back. Wow. That's, that's so crazy. funny. But yeah, so let's dive on in. Yep. So as most of you know, Dogs are believed to have been direct descendants of wolves. We're talking tens of thousands of years ago. So today's gray wolves and dogs diverged from an extinct wolf species. species. <laughs> you, I'm, no, no, I'm no. not even... At, like, at one point, that's... it sounded like you were going to say spirit or something. Yeah, and, now, no. and I'm just thinking of... Uh... Oh, no, what's the comedy where he like has to do jumps on his motorcycle? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> like a spirit of, yeah hot rod <laughs> oh hot rod yeah i was thinking he's like as if he's spirit calling of eagle <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay so gray, gray wolves and dogs diverged from extinct wolf species some 15 to forty thousand years ago now researchers have characterized the domestication of dogs as and i quote here the domestication of dogs was one of the most extraordinary events in human history. And honestly, we, can't see it got any on. other way. We got a bunch of good boys out of it. Yeah, boys yeah. and girls. Oh, yeah. But the actual domestication of dogs, so like the actual event, quote unquote, is actually debated to have happened not once, but actually twice. So we're actually going to be talking a lot about like genes and DNA here, just kind of like how... Like Levi's or Wranglers? 
uh, skinny or <laughs> boot cut. Yeah. Boot cut. Um, but again, happened not once but twice uh, between twenty to forty thousand years ago, and this theory has been established through genetic tracing of mutation rates from old bones of good boys. That's pretty cool. Nice. So researchers analyzed mitochondrial DNA sequences from remains of 59 European dogs that were all aged 3,000 to 14,000 years ago. So we're talking a huge sample size. And the actual full genome of a 4,800-year-old dog that was buried beneath a prehistoric mound monument at Newgrange, Ireland. I'm just imagining a Jurassic Park scenario where there's just a park full of, like, huge dogs. <laughs> and these suckers would be, yeah, just yeah, huge. Like, awesome. than, like, massive. So Clifford, and... the big red dog, was real. <laughs> right? I, I honest to God had that same thought when I filled out the application for the puppy. Like, what if I actually just get the Clifford of, <laughs> of the hey. world in this small condo? At least he's friendly. Yeah. Right? I actually get, like, Clifford the pissed off dog. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. So at this place in Ireland, a uh, New Grange, Ireland, this 48-year-old monument, which predates Stonehenge and the Pyramids of Giza, that's where they found all these bones, uh, underneath a large circular mound, and within its underground chambers was actually the fragments of a ton of animal bones, but most specifically dogs. Don't want to get into why there's all these uh, bones of dogs specifically under this one mound, but... Anyway, it was huge for science. <laughs> I just read something uh, about, I think it was in like Pakistan or something, but they have these huge stone like wall structures that they built, mm -hmm. and they predate the pyramids and stuff, but they found a bunch of animal bones in those, and they assume it was like religious rites that they would do there, and those were sacrifices and stuff. So, Oh, yeah. Huh. It sounds kind of similar to something like that. That does make sense, yeah. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And now one of these bones that was found in Ireland was a petrus bone. And the reason why that's important is because the petrus bone, you can actually get like 80% of something's DNA from it. So imagine like we get discovered a million years from now or thousands of years from now. And if they have a certain bone, they can actually get a lot of your DNA. And from this DNA, they were actually able to sequence the full entire genome of a long dead dog. So why does this matter, like, at all for, like, current, uh, like, modern applications? The researchers compared the Newgrange sequences, so all the DNA from all the bones, with almost 700 modern dogs and built a family tree that revealed the relationships between all these individual species. And now, to their surprise, there was actually a fork in the road. You know, so essentially two different, like, doggy dynasties split off so, like, kind of a typical misconception is, like, oh, all dogs came from, like, this one wolf, which maybe, sure, they did. But they actually split off quite a bit and through, like, breeding and all that. That's kind of how we got, you know, the dogs that we have today. Right. Hmm. And now this one strand um, actually includes all the dogs from Eastern Eurasia, such as the Sharpei and the Tibetan Mastiffs. Tibetan Mastiffs are huge. I know. There were some big boys. Oh, now just yeah. imagine like their great, great, great times of million like grandfather being like this huge wolf. Pretty awesome. That'd be intimidating. And you also have to think like in 40,000 years ago, these were actually competitors for food. Yeah. Like they were carnivores, mm -hmm. like we were carnivores, all that good stuff. So like we were not friends with dogs at all. 
I'm sure people like use them as mounts and stuff back in the day. For, I like, wouldn't be surprised if they were actually able to tame them. Right. But we will kind of get into like the how like this actual domestication happened. Sure. And now the other strand that I mentioned, so there's one from Eastern Eurasia. Now the other one is actually from Western Eurasia, which includes the New Grange dog. So what I'm trying to say here is like there's two different types, like species foundings of dog, one more to the east and one to the west. And now the genomes of the dogs from the western branch suggest that they went through a population bottleneck, which is essentially just a dramatic dwindling of numbers. Now researchers interpret this as evidence of a long migration. So essentially, for argument's sake, let's say this huge population of humans moved away from, you know, let's say like the Middle East or like Eastern Asia or excuse me, Western Asia to Europe. And that's kind of like where that split is important because through the breeding of the dogs, they essentially become a whole new breed, if that makes sense. And now these two dog lineages became as a single popular, began as a singular, singular population in the East before the one broke off and headed West, like I mentioned. So this actually gives a lot of credit to the idea that dogs were first domesticated somewhere in China at least 14,000 years ago, with the lineages splitting around 6,400 years ago into those East Asian and Western Asian dogs. And that's when dog shows first started. <laughs> <laughs> now, through the ancient DNA evidence combined with the archaeological record of early dogs, this suggests that we need to reconsider the number of times dogs were domesticated independently. So again, it didn't happen all at once. We actually got two separate strands of good boys. And maybe the reason why there really hasn't been a set in stone conclusion as like the origins of dogs uh, and researchers in, like, sci in the field of science is because everyone is a little bit right. So there's kind of a tear right now in was it like just one event? Was it two events? But in all reality, they're all kind of right. Yeah. Either way, we got a bunch of different good boys, so. That's all I need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially the elites, like Goldens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no bias over there. No, no, <laughs> For, like, Twitter and Instagram, just send us all the pictures yeah, of your dogs, please. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's why you really did this, just to get pictures of the <laughs> And best. so I can hopefully post, like, mine. Yeah. So it's like, hey, awesome. I'm part of the dog gang. <laughs> so now that's kind of the explanation of where dogs came from, if you will. So now we're going to dive into more of like the how. So how did like humans and dogs actually get to the point where we literally live with like wild creatures, essentially. Obviously, it's a lot different because like dogs are much more friendly now and boopable. But yeah, they used to be actual <laughs> wolves. Boopable. Oh, my goodness. So one theory on this is that it actually was the result of just a solitary hunter befriending an injured wolf i mean we've all like read that book seen that movie just man becoming best friends with a old yeller wolf. <laughs> oh, yep. no. <laughs> no. but then you have the story of romulus and ramus too which i don't know if you're gonna mention at all i'm not so if you wanna yeah but like i'm i don't remember all the details but basically just the kid got lost or something and ended up getting raised by two wolves so mm -hmm. or the two brothers got raised by wolves so it's kind of like a cool even if it didn't happen which i don't remember if it's just like a fable or if it actually did like supposedly happen but 
it just shows that we did have some sort of friendly relationship with well the jungle book <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then like that started the roman empire yeah so man i'm i am actually going to get into a couple cases of how dogs have like affected history started empires <laughs> one yes actually <laughs> that's pretty legit cool. Airbud. <laughs> except like a basketball empire <laughs> <laughs> a dynasty if you will <laughs> So other than like the one solitary solitary hunter befriending an injured wolf, uh, one similar theory argues that early humans right, were able to capture wolf pups, kept them as pets, and gradually domesticated them. Now this could have happened around the same time as the rise of agriculture. So the same time humans were trying to you know plant corn and you know cabbages, uh, we were also domesticating pups. That's really cute. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's advantageous for them, though, too, because they're kind of like, oh, these people are just going to give us free food. That's actually a huge... That's going to be my next point. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so through more recent genetic studies, it actually suggests that the date of domestication occurred far earlier, while a different theory actually has gained the support of many scientists. So this is kind of what you mentioned, Mark, the survival of the friendliest. So like dogs would, or wolves in ancient times, would actually come to different camps of like hunter gatherers like early people after they left and would essentially just scavenge for food and that eventually through decades and centuries of you know doing that more friendly dogs would go up to the camps go up to the humans and then through that get domesticated and then ipso facto we have dogs that's cool i'd be pretty hyped if a, a wolf came up to me and was just like nudging me yeah that'd be pretty t- tight yeah, I mean, it's a lot of the theories suggest that like wolves actually domesticated themselves, essentially just out of you know Necessity. those people have food and yeah. I want food. Well, especially if you said that there was a bottleneck in the population, I mean, they have to mm-hmm. sustain themselves. So right, you need some food. So the domestication of wolves actually led to a lot of the physical changes that we see in dogs today, including <laughs> <laughs> just ripped dogs. <laughs> Mark just flexed for those of you that aren't here. (laughs) And these physical changes included swatchy coats, curly tails, and floppy ears, which follow the pattern of self-domestication. I'm just thinking of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man 1 when he gets bit and then looks in the mirror and starts being like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) That's what what wolves were doing back in the day. So these changes in you know how these wolves actually looked is actually very common with species that gain advantage through self-domestication. And it's a huge sign of friendliness in dogs. So if your dog has a very curly tail and floppy ears, evidence and genetics actually say that it's one of the more friendly breeds. Well, I have a dog that has a very curly tail, and he's kind of an asshole. So <laughs> I don't know if that's true. One across size the board. isn't fit at all. <laughs> yeah. right? But he doesn't have floppy ears, so I guess he's got one out of the two or three. One out said. of three. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I hope your dog doesn't listen to this. You're <laughs> yeah. Now, evidence for this kind of you know changes in appearances leading to you know more friendly dogs or just species. Uh, comes in another process of domestication. So this actually happened in a famous case of domesticated foxes in Russia. Okay, I'm so on board for this. Foxes are so cute. Yeah. 
and they just kind of run around and you know have the fennec foxes have you seen those they have like yes. the huge ears oh man they're so cute man this is just like gonna be 45 minutes of us saying how sick dogs are yeah well you, you got dogs you got foxes we're almost to moose. <laughs> I was like, where is he going? And the more domesticated moose actually don't have antlers. <laughs> they have curly tails. Yeah. They make sounds other than... <laughs> you imagine you're going to bed at night and a moose just curls up at the end of your bed. Right? Oh, it's a lap moose. <laughs> oh, it's like those mini, you know, like those mini ponies, but yeah. it's a moose. Yes. Oh, man. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> you like go out on a date and bring a girl back to your house and you're like, don't worry, he's friendly. <laughs> just a moose. It's just chomping on a bale of hay. <laughs> oh, sorry, I have to let him out. I'm just trying to like, get his antlers out the door. Uh-huh. Just knocking everything down. Mm. So this experiment with the breeding of the foxes um, was primarily done with foxes that were more comfortable getting close to humans. But researchers learned that these comfortable foxes were also good at picking up on human social cues. So the same way like dogs kind of know when the human's sad, human's mad, etc. I mean, these foxes were able to do the same thing through self-domestication. So we would have had TikTok videos of like toilet paper getting ripped up and then the dogs in the corner like looking super guilty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So these, going back to the ancient time wolves, these self-domesticated wolves in the ancient times would have had a huge advantage over the other wolves because, again, they're getting fed essentially for free without having to actually go out and hunt their food. Some would say a little bit lazy, but that's okay. But then they also have the advantage of having friends in the humans, so. Mm -hmm. So this leads to the quote, like we mentioned before, like, humans did not domesticate dogs. Dogs domesticated themselves. So we did not choose dogs. Dogs chose us. And we still don't deserve them. Now, research shows that the social dogs tested have disruption to a genomic region that remains intact in more aloof wolves. But interestingly, in humans, genetics genetics variation in the same trends of DNA actually causes Williams-Burren syndrome which is essentially a condition characterized by exceptionally trusting and friendly behaviors. So essentially, dogs will trust humans to a fault now. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost too bad. Yeah. Well, especially when the people take advantage of it. Well, I don't know. I don't want to take advantage of it. Like, Charlie's kind of annoying. No. (laughs) I don't mean you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, people that do, like, the dog fighting rings and oh, stuff like that. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, like people who use abuse. it to their advantage. Yeah, yeah, to make money on it. Yeah, Ugh, that's disgusting. Yeah. It's pretty sad. Mm-hmm. So now for some fun differences between wolves and dogs All after right. we just discussed <laughs> some dog fighting. So, so several researchers have presented dogs and wolves with an impossible problem. So for example, like a puzzle box that can't be opened by just like pulling or biting or something like that. And it's actually fascinating how these two different species, like wolves and like domesticated dogs, handle the problem. So dogs will actually, or excuse me, wolves will actually try to like be independent about it, like bite, scratch, claw, try to do anything to like get this box of food open. While a domesticated dog will, most of them that were researched here, will go up to the box, kind of like sniff it, and then look immediately back at like the yeah. humans, like <laughs> behind a screen, like, being like, "Help, this, dude!" <laughs> yeah. 
And now the human and dog relationship has gone so close that even our brains have been tested to be very much in sync. So when humans and dogs gaze into one another's eyes, each of their brains secretes oxytocin. And for those that don't know what oxytocin is, it is a hormone that's linked to maternal bonding and trust. So other mammal relationships, including those between mom and child or between mates, feature oxytocin bonding, but the human-dog example is the only case in which it has been observed at work between two completely different species. That's kind of crazy. I know, like, there's no reason why we should be this close to to dogs, because we do not look alike or share any same DNA. It's crazy. It's good, but it's also, like, kind of bad, because they have such bad separation anxiety. Yeah. You know? Like, dogs, basically, when you leave, are just waiting for you to get back. Right? It's actually... Like studies have shown that dogs over the years have gone so mistrusting of each other. Like that's why like dogs really don't like there are some dogs that like just do not want to be next to other dogs. But like when they're with their humans, they have that separation anxiety. I'm just saying all these dog facts, I have an interview for an application to get <laughs> <laughs> That's a real reason have, why you decided to do this. Have not had a puppy or like any kind of pet my entire life but hey we're going with the puppy hey it's so exciting though mm. so you get to know what fatherhood's like oh man well i do have a bonsai tree that i'm currently raising as well so <laughs> that is true a <laughs> <laughs> little different but right same at the same time well i just have to water the thing and it'll grow <laughs> i don't think the same strategy is going to apply but hmm. i mean a little bit so now to kind of wrap things up I have four super famous dogs that have had a huge impact, not only on just like their owner's history, but world history. I think you can only do Golden Retrievers once, four times over. I mean, we we already (laughs) mentioned two. We mentioned Clifford, and we mentioned Air Bud. And uh, first up, we have Snoop Dogg. (laughs) Snoop Snoop Lion now. Oh, God. I thought he switched back. (laughs) Oh, did he? I, I assume. I have no idea. Maybe he just goes by Snoop. Probably. Got a cooking show now, so. That man does it all. What about Scoob? That's almost forgot Scooby. Wow. (laughs) I can't believe we almost forgot Scooby. (laughs) Episode about dogs. (laughs) So our first famous pooch was named Paratus. So So they named it after another animal. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Boo. (laughs) What did I do? (laughs) I'm just pointing it out. Parrot. Peter, Peter like oh, sure. parrot. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so Alexander the Great, one of the most successful conquerors in history, actually owes a huge thanks to his dog Paratus for his massive empire. So, during an attack by Persia's Darius the Third, Alexander the Great was charged by an elephant and faced certain death. So essentially, he's just looking immediately at this huge war elephant, about to get trampled. But the elephant was diverted when Paratus, being the best boy, leaped into the air and bit the elephant's face. Nice. Causing the elephant to run off. And then Alexander the Great went on to forge the empire that became the literal basis of all of Western civilization. So we essentially owe Western civilization to this dog. It's kind of crazy. 
like history would have just been completely different if he wasn't like nah i need some of this elephant's trunk right now yeah because imagine if alexander the great died there who would have taken over and how would they have handled everything <laughs> probably would have happened the same way as it did like when he died of a nosebleed i believe he went oh either nosebleed or poison i forget but like the entire poison thing sounds, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds more masculine so right but yeah his empire like immediately got split into four parts so if that would have happened earlier, maybe we're talking like it doesn't get anywhere close to how big it actually got to be. I was just thinking, I don't know how advanced medical things were back then. Obviously not very. Can you imagine if you had like a brain tumor or something severe, but you got a nosebleed? I'm like, this dude keeled over from a simple <laughs> nosebleed. Yeah. You know, he's got like major problems. Yeah. Well, he's got a fist-sized tumor inside yeah, his like, head. Would they even know? I don't know. Probably not. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's like, wow, could conquer the entire world, but couldn't get a tissue in time. Yeah, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder, I mean, it's not many, but I wonder how many historical deaths from way back when are inaccurately determined. Oh, I'm sure so many. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. for the sake of, like, traditional storytelling, to, like, yeah. inspire the next generation, sure. why would you say he died from, like, just getting a cold? Yeah, right. right. Just say he went down in, like, a blaze of glory. Yeah. <laughs> So our next dog is named Don Chad, and it was Robert the Bruce's faithful bloodhound. Hey, it was in your question. Whoa, callback. <laughs> callback. And this dog not only affected Scottish history, but U.S. history as well. So enemies of Robert actually captured Don Chad and used the dog to find him in hiding, but were surprised when the dog turned on them and attacked them. Because of this dog... The men were driven off, and Robert the Bruce survived to become the King of Scotland. Now, later on, King George III of England's dispute with the colonies in the Americas, which obviously led to U.S. independence, King George III was a descendant of Robert the Bruce, and essentially, if this dog didn't save Robert the Bruce's life, it would have been a totally different story, potentially. Hmm. Dogs are cool. (laughs) All right, so I got two more. Uh, next one up is just known as the fisherman's dog. Now, Napoleon, famous for, you know, getting attacked by 3,000 rabbits. <laughs> That's what everyone knows him for. Mm, I use that line all the time, or just that story all the time when asked, like, oh, what's your favorite history? History fact. History. Oh, no. <laughs> That's a whole different topic. <laughs> yeah. Wow, my eyes just never got, like, just shot, like, huge. Like, oh, my God. So in 1815, Napoleon was exiled to an island named Elba. Now, when he escaped and when he was fleeing the island, he fell off of his ship into rough seas and was rescued by a random fisherman's dog. Wow. So essentially, he couldn't get back to like his world conquering things without the help of this Newfoundland dog. Napoleon kind of sounds like... Napoleon was slick, just trash. Yeah. (laughs) being quite honest and then our last best boy this isn't a famous one from years past or like ancient times is actually a very recent one but we have cairo so cairo was a belgian malinois i know i mispronounced that it was actually an integral part of seal team six Ooh. and he was the elite which was the elite navy team that took down osama bin laden which of course was or the leader did they is he still alive? I think he's at the bottom <laughs> of one of the oceans. 
But Cairo parachuted in to the compound along with his fellow human team members and helped keep them safe by alerting them of explosives and any other potential threats. He had a little doggy parachute. That would be so That'd like be he so just pulls cute. it with uh like with his little teeth. Now Cairo was also the first military canine put into service by the Navy SEALs and was awarded Animal of the Year by Time magazine in 2011. Well deserved. Oh yeah. But anyway, that wraps up my topic for the day. Just wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, the good boys and girls throughout history, as well as just kind of give a little bit of basis on, you know, where they came from. Also just wanted to highlight to everyone listening that I might have one soon. Yeah. But yeah, hope you hopefully you guys enjoyed it a little bit. Yeah, Definitely. put out some good vibes. Oh, that was yeah. fun. A nice easy going fun episode. Yeah, it's important. It put out it put out a precedent. That we can indeed cover four-legged animals to eventually consider moose. I think that's we important. are on our way. It's called building blocks, and this is the first one. <laughs> yeah, because you go straight into it, they're like, "All right, what is this about?" But now there's some precedent. Exactly. Mm. I also love how I went from like Japanese samurai as my last solo topic <laughs> to now we're talking about dogs. <laughs> All right, promise for the next one we'll get back to like something super historical. Murder and mayhem. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> You thought this was going to be a fun, loving podcast? No, no, no. Well, we are the friendly neighborhood podcast. That's so. right. <laughs> true, That's true. our claim to fame. But yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening, and uh, really appreciate you listening to the stories. Got any name ideas for your new pup? Um, already very dead set on Mizuki, oh, okay. which is Japanese for beautiful moon. Nice. Because as you all know by now, very, very much love Japanese culture. And when you see a picture of the dog, it's just like, speaks like zuki my dog's name is itachi which is also japanese but it's a character from a show called naruto ah. and it translates to weasel so it fits him because he likes to weasel out of being held on a leash and he's gotten lost twice now so oh, oh buddy <laughs> that, that dog it does not like being pet by newcomers either yeah he's he ever since he got well he got lost twice, so I mean, he ever since then he's kind of just been really anxious. So I don't blame him. Uh, yeah, but. yeah. I don't think I've ever had the pleasure of meeting him. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. He lives with my parents, so you can go visit him. Are Let we even go. friends? <laughs> no, we're just co-hosts, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is a strictly business. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Speaking of business, uh, I almost forgot to mention this three weeks in a row, but uh, we are going to be doing a little fundraiser and. Evan has most of the information on it, so I'm going to kind of let him handle speaking on it. But yeah, we're going to be making some t-shirts and selling those. So Evan, if you want to. Yeah, again, check out our social media channels at The Gems of History on Twitter and Instagram, where you can find all the pictures and information about how to get these t-shirts into your hands. We're charging $20 for each t-shirt and all 100% 100% of the proceeds are going to the Children's Hospital of Wisconsin. So if you feel like donating and getting a pretty sick t-shirt, in uh, my very biased opinion, uh, please consider donating. Um, you can either DM uh, Mark, Jacob, or myself, or our, our Twitter accounts, or our, our email, any possible way. Um, tell us your sizes, and we'll work on getting you a t-shirt. And in addition to that, we are also organizing in June, on June 19th, a little bar crawl. So it'll be happening probably in the Monmouth Falls, Germantown area in Wisconsin. So for all of you out-of-state listeners, you have time to prepare. 
Yep. Again, June 19th, probably sometime late afternoon. Um, but yeah, if you're in the area, uh, please let us know if you want to attend and we can organize it from there. But also just look out, be on the lookout for more information regarding that. Yeah, so we haven't really set in stone how we're going to go about getting the money and stuff like that yet, but we're kind of working on it. We're thinking maybe we'll have you guys donate directly to the GoFundMe page and send us a screenshot of your donation to prove that you did it, along with if you're out of state, sending us your address and your size and all that so we can get mm-hmm. you the correct shirt. But once we have all those details finalized, we'll mention it here and we'll also post it on all our socials and stuff. So keep track of it there. But yeah, if you guys are interested, just let us know. And we hope to get you guys your t-shirts and you guys can rep the show for us. Yeah, it's super exciting. Can't wait for that. Definitely. We got merch. Yep. You didn't think we'd have it, but we got it, baby. (laughs) But yeah, we're kind of doing it in celebration of getting to a thousand listens uh, on the show. So. Thank you to all of you that listen because without you we wouldn't be doing it. So it's honestly insane to think like this show between, you know, three best buds has been listened to a thousand times. Right. I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's super cool. You guys are the reason that we do this like we mentioned. So thank you a lot to everyone that listens and tell your friends if they want something new to listen to, tell them about us, maybe they'll like it and then we'll have some. You'll have some more stuff to talk about with your friends. Yeah, I really could not appreciate it more. Everybody, mm. go review us on iTunes and give us five stars, <laughs> or else, <laughs> Jacob, come down. Come down. <laughs> sorry, sorry, got a yeah. little heated. <laughs> or else you're getting a moose podcast. We're not even. <laughs> oh my god, we're just not even kidding. Reviews, no, yeah. Oh man. But yeah, go go. Uh, all, the, all the reviews say like please mother of god no <laughs> i have a family i barely made it through the dog one i love dogs but yeah if you feel so inclined do rate and review us it does help us out and gets us more acknowledgement on different platforms so if you do thank you very much and if you want to get in touch like we said we got socials we got our email gems of history podcast at gmail.com otherwise get in touch with us anywhere else but I think that's all we got for this week. Call me, beat me, if you want to reach me. (laughs) So we're going to boop our way out of this podcast. (laughs) We'll talk to you next week. (laughs) Later, everybody.